We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Everything that the Father has, everything that he's said is yours, you ought to take possession of it and say, Father, I receive it all. I receive your living as my possession. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kingdom Rock Radio. You are moments away from receiving God's rich word. But first, remember that you can subscribe to our Roku channel as well as our podcast. And don't forget, for more information, you can always contact us at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's word. I'm thankful for you, uh, for you guys coming out tonight and getting the word of God. It is always a pleasure to speak to uh, kings and the children of God. You are God's beloved. You are his beloved in Christ. He loves you more than you ever know that then you will ever know or imagine. And Lord, we, I thank God for our online community as well that is watching us and listening to us right now all around the world, whether you are watching live or watching the replay later on or hearing uh, however you're doing it. We want to say that we love you so much and we thank you so much for being a part of this service tonight. We have you in mind as we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are in mind and you are welcome into this service tonight. All right, well, tonight we want to continue. Uh, we've been in a broad series entitled Position to Receive. And uh, for the last few, few weeks, we've been talking about grace and knowing the difference between uh, law and grace. And we're going to uh, go back t- um, to that same area tonight. And I want to show you some things also in a very familiar uh, passage of Scripture. So uh, we're going to read it first. And then we're going to go back and really just dive into it and, and really get into uh, its meanings and really just be blessed as the Lord began to show it to me. And I mean, this is just, this is just awesome. So let's go to the book of Luke, Luke 15 chapter, and uh, let's look at verses number 11 through 32. Luke 15, verse, uh, verses number 11 through 32. And this talks about, uh, this is the parable of the lost son. Uh, also known as the prodigal son, right? Also known as the prodigal son. Uh, you know, unbeknownst to me, I'm sure you guys knew it, the word prodigal does not mean lost or wayward. You can look it up. You can Google it. <laughs> the word prodigal actually means to be extravagant. Um, extravagant in your giving. Extravagant in your, in your, in your living. Extravagant. So really, this is talking about the prodigal father, because the father here is extravagant in his love toward his son. And uh, you see this as well. And of course, prodigal son, you know, we, you already know the case. He wasted his living. So in that way, he was definitely generous and extravagant and giving. But the father, more so than the two sons, gave the most. So let's go and look at this. We're going to read it first. Uh, Luke, the 15th chapter verses 11 through 32, and it says this, of the King James Version, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, father, give the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divides, wait, wait, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. All right, uh, hold on a second, and in uh, verse number, hold on a second, where's my 13? Okay, here we go. And not many days after, the, the younger son 
gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. You can really highlight that verse there, riotous living. We're going to talk about all of that. Verse 14, and when he had spent all, there arose a, a mighty famine in that land and he, began to, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he, uh, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that uh, the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he had, rather, verse 17, and when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and, and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be Mary. Now his elder son uh, was in the field, and as he came and drew, and drew nigh uh, to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, uh, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry. And would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said unto his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never givest me a kid that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son is come, rather was come, uh, which have devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast uh, killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet or necessary that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found." So I'm going to show you a, just a fresh perspective of the whole thing. Now, just off the top, let me tell you some things. This whole thing is about entering into the Father's favor, entering into God's favor. The younger son and the older son both want the Father's favor, okay? They want his favor. Now, the older son and the younger son represent 
of the older son represents those that were under the law. They're trying to get the father's favor because of what they do. The older son said, I serve you. I've been working in the fields. I've never done anything wrong. And you didn't give me not one kid, not you haven't killed not one lamb for me. You haven't thrown me any kind of any kind of party. So he's expecting his father to favor him based on what he has done. And when his younger brother receives rewards or receives the favor of God without having worked for it, he instantly gets angry. Because in his mind, if you don't work, you should not be blessed. You should not have the father's favor in your life if you have not put the time in. This was the thinking of those under the law. Jesus is teaching this and showing this stuff today because the younger brother received and he did not work for it. He did not earn it. Matter of fact, he did the opposite of that. He didn't earn the father's favor. He didn't earn the father's blessing, but yet and still the father bestowed it upon him. The older brother said, within, even within himself, I have done all of this and you never gave me your favor. They both wanted the father's favor. But the older brother, even when, even when he'd heard that his younger brother was back, did not go in. He did not celebrate it because in his eyes, it shouldn't be that way. And remember, under the law, if you do good, you get good. But when you do bad, you get bad. Under the law, when Israel followed the promises, followed the word of God, everything was fine. But the moment they stopped following God's promises, the moment they, they uh, began to do bad things, then here comes a curse. Now, let me tell you, remember, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And under grace, because of what Jesus has accomplished for us, the Father can bless you just because, apart from your actions. If we are still waiting on God to bless us, after we've done something good, guess what? Your life is going to be a roller coaster ride because sometimes you do things well and then sometimes you do things bad. And if you allow all of that bad to interfere with God's blessing over your life, you will contaminate your own life because you will feel as though you're undeserving. I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve his mercy. I don't deserve his grace. All of that is thinking under law. Now understand something. When Jesus gave his life for us at Calvary, when the innocent Christ Jesus died, he made again the guilty us innocent, right? We took on his righteousness. So when the father looks at you and I, he doesn't see our sin. He sees Christ Jesus because we are in Christ and Christ is in us. And under, under grace is not in doing right. It's in being right. Because once you be right, because of your belief in Christ, you will begin to do right. If you believe that you are crooked, you will do crooked things. Are you hearing me? What you believe controls your life. What you believe will control your speech. And it will control or steer your entire life. If you believe right, you will do right. Hallelujah. So again, uh, the key of the New Testament 
in order even, even to get into the New Testament, in order to get into the favor of God through Christ Jesus, it doesn't start by doing, it starts by believing. He said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. It starts by believing, and it continues to be, and continues to go the way through believing. John 3, 16, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever what? Believeth in him, whosoever believes in him, whosoever believes in him would not perish, right? But have everlasting life, right? So it goes on, whoever believes in him, not whoever works to gain God's favor, and then one day, once you've worked enough or done enough, then God's going to truly love you, and then you'll be blessed. That is the work of the law, and not as the work of grace. Again, so the Lord is showing us, I mean, so many, this wonderful parallels, and I'll show you here tonight. Won't be able to get to all of it tonight, but here again, the older brother uh, symbolizes those that are under the law. And really, Jesus was giving, if you think about uh, his audience here at this time, he was talking to the sinners, talking to the, uh, talking to the Pharisees and the scribes. All of these people are in the audience as he's speaking these words. And really, as he's uh, giving this parable, this uh, about the older brother is really targeted to those that are under the law because they thought that they were righteous. Remember, Jesus said uh, he didn't come to call the uh, he didn't call the, come to call those that were healthy, but those who needed a doctor. Uh, he didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. So, if you thought you are righteous, God can't help you. The Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. But they thought that they were righteous because of what they had done. I have done all this good, so I know God loves me. But yet and still, I'm not seeing the full blessings over my life. I'm not seeing God's favor over my life. Because God's not going to show up there. It's not about you. Because when you make it you, when you say, I've done this and I've done that, I've been good or I've been bad, I've been holy or I've been unholy, all your eyes point to you. And the father said, no flesh is going to glory in his presence. When your attention is always on you, is your attention always on you? If your attention is always on you, then the father's not going to show up because you think, oh, I did it. But when we come to the end of ourselves, like the prodigal son here, before we go into it, before the, as the lost son did, when he came to the end of himself, when he came to the end of himself, he said, hey, I got to go back home. What did he do? Before that point, his attention was upon all on him. It's time to party. What he was going to do. But the moment he turned his heart back to his father, then the true blessings began to come in his life. The true blessings began to come in his life. Does that make sense? So we're going to talk about that. I just want to just give you just, just a few things here. Now, let's go back up to verse number 11, just for the short time that we have here, because I really want us to glean in this word. And really what the Lord is telling me even more so is that we have to declare ourselves weak. Say, what, Pastor? That doesn't sound right to me. You see, the Lord says his grace is sufficient for us, for his strength is made perfect in our weakness. If you declare that you are weak, then you are candidate to receive the Lord's strength. But if you say that I am strong and I can handle it, 
then God will let you be strong and let you handle it. And you will handle it until the day you fall. Does that make sense? I don't care how good you are at whatever. You may be the best one in the whole county, best one in the whole state, the whole you know, country, whole world. Understand that your best pales in comparison to what God can really do through you. So we are truly weak in every area of our lives. And when we say that, God, I mean, even here as I'm preaching, as I'm, as I'm doing my best to declare the word of God, I have to pray, Lord, you know, Lord, I'm weak in this area. I, I can't speak in this area. It is you. It is you that will have to empower me to speak and proclaim your word. It is you that will have to do that. And, and when I do that, I don't stand in my strength. I've been began to stand in his strength. And if you see anything good, I can say like Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. He empowered me to do it because I realized that in this area, as well as in other areas, I need the power and presence of God. Does that make sense? So when you declare, hey, I'm weak in me. Hey, Lord, I need your strength. And you begin to lean on him. I'm telling you, your father will show up big time. He will show up big time, but you've got to receive it. Are you hearing? All right, so let's try to get into this. And so in verse number 11, it says again, um, and, he said unto, and, and he said, a certain man had two sons. So we don't want to forget about both sons because both sons have a part in this. We typically just look at the younger son and how he came back home. But even looking at that before we get there, why did the younger son come back home? Did, did, he, did he go back home because he missed his father? Did he go back home because he said, oh, I miss fellowshipping with my father. Oh, he loved me and I love him. No, he came back home. He went back home because he was hungry. He was hungry and he was desperate. And that brought him from where he was into his father's presence, which tells us as well, no matter what reason you come to the father, he will still receive you. The father did not say to him, you old no good so-and-so. He, didn't, he did not berate him. He did not tear him down, whatever brought him into his presence. Because really, you really won't know the fullness of God's love when you come into a relation, relation with him. It's going to take time or maybe even eternity before you really begin to know how much God loves you. Uh, let me bring this point out too. Um, descending love is always greater than ascending love. All right. What do I mean by that? A parent's love for their child is always greater than the child's love for their parent. It's always that way. Always greater. A parent's love for child, descending love, is always greater than a child's love for their parent. By the same token, the father's love for you will always be greater than your love for him. And the Father knows that because descending love is always greater than ascending love. He will always love you more. He'll always rescue you. He will always heal you. He will always deliver you. He will never leave your side. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's always there. He always wants to pour out to you. He always wants to speak to you. Always. But again, if you are law conscious, Conscious, if you're thinking, me, 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 you're going to drown out his voice. You're going to drown out his voice. 
He says here in verse number 12, are y'all with me tonight? He says, and the younger, uh, verse 12, and the younger of them said unto his father, said unto, rather said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Now, understand something. The word falleth there means uh, that belongs to me. Give me basically my inheritance. Give me what belongs to me, my inheritance, right? Now, in order for someone to inherit something, somebody has to die, right? So in so many words, the younger son said, Daddy, I, I don't have time for you to die. I want my stuff now. In effect saying, I wish you were dead. I, want, I can't wait for you to die, Dad. Give me my inheritance now. Because after this point, what's going to happen in verse uh, 13, he says that not many days after the younger son gathered all together. In other words, he went uh, throughout all the, all the father's house and received everything that was his. He did not leave not one single thing there that belonged to him. He took it all and he made his journey into a far country. Now, he had just insulted his father. What do you think of your child if your child come to you and you know you have a will, you know you've made provision for your child, your grandchildren, you know you made provision for them. You know in the will that they were, uh, that they were to receive, uh, receive $50,000. You know what it's taken care of in your will. And they tell you, I want my inheritance now. I don't have time for you to die. As a matter of fact, you are dead to me. That's what he's saying. You are dead to me. Give me my money. Give me my stuff. He had just royally insulted the father here in a major way. Royally insulted the father. But the father gave it to him. He gave him, the Bible says, he, he divided his living. Uh, he divided unto them so the younger brother got received inheritance and the older brother received inheritance. He divided unto him his living. Now the word living there um, is the uh, Greek word um, bios, bios. Uh, and that word means wealth or riches. Now, in Bible times, land, he said, divided to him his living. Land was like life because land, especially here, land was handed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. That was your family's land. That was home. And so what this son is asking his father to do, sell off your life, sell off your living. Now, let's say you may be a 10th generation farmer and your father's father and their father's father and their father's father and their father's father all farm that land all the way back to when the children of Israel crossed over uh, the river Jordan and began to take possession of the land of Canaan. That's been in your family. That's been in your tribe. That was handed down to you. And every progenitor, every father, uh, every son was supposed to keep possession of this land. When he said, give me what belongs to me, He's saying as well, sell off your life, sell off your living. Another slap in his face. 
Because the sons were supposed to, again, inherit. They were meant to um, take possession of the land, and that land was meant to be, uh, meant to stay in their families. But the moment he said, I want my stuff now, that that, that meant that the father had to sell off his life, sell off his living, sell off the thing that was handed down to him in order to fulfill his wishes. So he did it. And so the Bible says that he divided unto them his living. That's exactly what that means. He divided unto them his living. So again, verse number 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took, and took his journey into a far country. Now, why did he go into a far country? Because what he's about to do cannot be found in this country. So he has to go away. Now, I tell you as well that all these desires that are about to crop up, were already in him in his father's house. They didn't just happen. They were already there. Listen, he said, and not many days, uh, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey to a far country and there wasted, you can underline that, wasted his substance with riotous living. Now here's another powerful point here. In verse number, verse number 12, the Bible says that he, talking about the father, divided unto them his living, his resources, the land, uh, his wealth. He divided unto them his wealth. All right. And then in verse, in the very next verse, it says, and there wasted his substance. Well, where did, now, and the word substance here means uh, his possessions, his possessions. So the father's living became his substance. The father's living became uh, his possessions. In other words, he took full ownership of everything that the father said he could have. He took full possession of his full inheritance. He took it all. Now here's a lesson. Here's something for us to pray, really, because this is valuable. The younger son received not because he worked to earn this, but he received from his father based on relationship. Not because he didn't say, Father, give me what was owed to me because I've worked in the fields all my life. No, he received from the father based on relationship. The father gave him based on relationship, and he received all that the father gave. His father's living became his possession. Now, here's our prayer. We are praying that we would possess everything that the Father has given unto us, not based on our works, not based on our own goodness or merit, but we pray that we'll receive everything that the Father has for us based on our relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Jesus makes you godly. Jesus makes you holy. Jesus makes you righteous. Remember the Bible declares that that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Everything that the father has everything that he's said is yours you ought to take possession of it and say father i receive it all i receive your living as my possession now what would hinder you from receiving that what would hinder you from receiving god's maximum blessing in your life 
you looking at you, you looking at what you've done, you looking at what you said, you looking at you. And when you look away from you looking at you and you look at the finished work of Calvary, you look at the blood. I mean, look at everything the father went through to get you in his favor. Now, understand something. The Bible says again that the wages of sin is death. Mankind had sinned, mankind sinned, and mankind deserved death, death, hell, grave, death, grave, hell. We deserve hell. I know it's not a very popular saying, but that's Bible. And God said, and hell is simply, simply, I know it's a fiery place, but it is also eternal separation from the presence of God. That's death. Eternal separation from the presence of God. And God loved you so much that, now, uh, that he had to send Christ Jesus. Now, if the father said, well, I love them. I know my law. You know, I know what I said, but you know what? Y'all come on in here anyway. Come on. Don't worry about, don't worry about all that. Just come on home. I love you anyway. Just come on home. That would mean that he would be an unjust judge. That would mean that he is an unrighteous judge. That would mean that he is a liar. Somebody has to die. A sin was committed. Somebody has to go to, somebody has to die. So what does the father do? He sends Jesus Christ as the lamb of sacrifice. Now in the Old Testament, we'll get back here in a second, but uh, in the Old Testament, what would happen was um, is that the priests, the, the people, the worshipers would bring a lamb or they would bring a goat uh, to, the, to the house of worship. And on the Day of Atonement, uh, they would bring their lamb or their goat in and they would place their hands on the goat's head or on the lamb's head, effectively transferring their, this was a prophetic act, if you will, and it would transfer their sins to the goat. You would say when they put their hands on the goat's head, God, God would see now the goat as the one that committed the sin. In other words, the wrath of God would then come, come upon the lamb, would then come upon the goat. All right. So that would mean the people of God can go back and go free because now that animal would pay the price for their sin. Now the priest would take the animal, they would uh, sacrifice the animal, they would shed the animal's blood, and after that they would burn the animal up. In many cases, uh, there would be uh, two goats, two goats, and this is where you, get, you find the, the term scapegoat. Um, one goat they would use there for sacrifice, kill it, and the other goat they would um, put their hands on it and send it out way out somewhere meaning that your sins have been paid in full and your sins will not be remembered anymore because it was taken away. Jesus did both. He paid for your sins completely and he took your sins away. It's far away from you as the east is from the west. As a matter of fact, again, when Jesus was, Jesus was on the cross, the wrath of God fell on him, just like on that lamb of sacrifice. The wrath of God fell on him. He took the entire wrath of God for you and I, paid the price for our sins. And what happens after the animal sacrifice? Then it is burned. Well, where did Jesus go after he left the cross? The Bible says that he, uh, that he gave the, uh, the example of Jonah. He was 
He was there in, the, in, in, in hell preaching to the captives. Before he did that, of course, I believe that he went and he burned our sins up in the lake of fire, no longer, no longer to be remembered. And then after that, of course, he rose a third day and is alive forevermore. Now understand something. Jesus had to do something with our sins because when he was upon the cross, he said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? At that time, all of the sins of humanity, my sin, your sin was upon him. Uh, and then when he rose from the grave, he sat at the right hand of the Father. What happened to the sins? Well, the sins were burned up in hell. He burned them all up. That's why there is no record anymore of sin. Remember the Lord said in the book of Hebrews and the new covenant that he would give to you, that he will remember your sins no more because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Now, as we begin to close tonight, mine, Lord, not really going to get to even a, a third of this tonight. But again, he says in verse number 13, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he took all, or rather he took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Now, I want to go and get into this word wasted because this word wasted is actually an agricultural term. The word wasted here is, uh, is the Greek word diaskarpizo. Uh, Don't ask me to say that twice. But that's what it is. That is the Greek word for that. And that means to scatter abroad, to disperse, to winnow, to winnow. It means to, and that, of course, is an agriculture term when they brought the, uh, brought the sheaves in, they brought the wheat in. Of course, they would beat it, uh, releasing the, the grain uh, from the stalk. Uh, but still, uh, around the grain was the, was the uh, chaff. And what they would do, they would throw up, they would, uh, after they separated the, the wheat and the chaff from the stalks, they would throw the, uh, the wheat up into the air and let the wind blow the chaff away. Because the chaff was that thing that, 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 wasn't, that was very light and it didn't have substance. And uh, the wheat would fall because it was heavy. So that's what they called winnowing. That's what they call sifting. So they would throw it up, throw the wheat up, and the chaff, the wind would be blowing, and it would blow that that was uh, false or that that was untrue uh, away, and the wheat would fall down. Now, that's important because this is actually what happened through this entire, entire account. This young man was actually being winnowed. He was actually being sifted. Because inside of him, in his father's house, he had a desire for the harlots. He had a desire uh, for the riotous living, for the parties and for the gambling. All of this was inside of him in his father's house. And it came to the point when he realized, hey, I got to get out of here because I can't do what I want to do in my father's house. So give me my money and I'm going to go and do this thing that's within me. And so he goes to do exactly what's within him. The father could have said, no, you have dishonored me. I will not give that to you. No. But instead, out of love, the father says yes, because he knows that this will be a time of sifting for this young man. This will be a time of winnowing 
when, when this young man is about to take the father's blessing and the father's blessing in his life is actually about to be used uh, to drive off all the wicked things and release all the good that's about to be there. And after this shifting has, uh, sifting has been done, the winnowing has been done, well, then the young man comes back home penitent before his father, and now he can truly inherit. Now the father will give him a ring, a signet ring. And in this Bible time, a signet ring was like a credit card. Whatever you stamped, that would mean that the father has favored it and you could have that. That signet ring, you stamp it. That was the father's approval. Um, and he also gave him a, a robe, that robe we would call righteousness. That means that you were in the father's favor. So when people looked at you from a distance, they saw that you were in the favor of the head of the household. And whatever you needed was yours. You can conduct the father's business. So they saw you had the father's favor. You're in right standing with him, no denying it. And they saw you had the ring, the credit card. You could stamp and you could get whatever you wanted. You could perform the father's business. And he put on his feet, of course, uh, the sandals uh, representing that his walk was holy. His walk was pure. His walk was covered. It's a walk of peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the father gave him true righteousness when he came back. Before he may have only given him a, uh, some wealth, some money. But now he receives true wealth and true righteousness. But it was only after this sifting, only after this winnowing that took place. Does that make sense? So uh, I think we'll go maybe another five minutes. And the Bible says, so there he wasted or he uh, winnowed his substance. Threw it up. You know, threw it up. He did it. He did it with riotous living riotous living. That's simply, you know, he just uh, shameless, uh, shameless, wild, wasteful living. He just, if you've seen people on the movie, just throwing the money up, hey, hey, just having a good time, partying, buying something for this person, buying something for that person, just no restraint. That's basically what it's talking about. Living with no restraint, with no regard to his upbringing, no regard to his father, just living a life with no restraint, just doing exactly what he wanted to do. Are you hearing now, understand something, because this sifting, there's another person in the Bible that, that speaks exactly to in Luke 22, and we'll stop here for tonight. Luke 22, verses 31 through 34. I want you to hear what this says. Luke 22, verse 31 through 34 of the King James Version, and it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may Sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, uh, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell you, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. So again, Peter didn't know what was in him. He said to Jesus' face, I put my hand on a stack of Bibles, Jesus. I'm ready to go to prison for you. 
I'm ready to die for you. But Jesus said, yeah, I see what's in you. I see what's in you. Satan is coming. He's going to sift you. You're going to see what's in you. But when you receive, when you see that good wheat, after everything else is blown away, boy, Peter, you're going to be strong. Was Peter strong? Yeah. The same Peter that denied that he knew Jesus was the same Peter that stood up on the day of Pentecost and proclaimed boldly that Jesus is the Messiah and proclaimed boldly. And y'all are the ones that killed him. Y'all are the ones that did that. Same Peter and over 3,000 people were saved. Something happened. He was sifted. Bad stuff taken out. Good stuff remained. And he got strong. He got strong. So I think we're going to stop here uh, for tonight because from time to time, all of us will grow through this process. Maybe this young man did not know to the full, full extent of what was in him, just like Peter did not know to the full extent what was in him. Just like you and I don't know to the full extent what's in us until a little heat is applied, until a little fire is applied. But understand something. This sifting or this winnowing only lasts for a moment. And after that, you'll always receive the true riches. There's something that the Father wants to release in your hands. There's something that he wants to give you. But you can't receive the full manifestation of it until you've come to the end of yourself. And you'll see this here. Until you've come to the end of yourself. When that process is completed then the true blessings of God will be released and you'll, you'll realize, man, it was all worth it. But at the time, it didn't feel good. At the time, it didn't look good. But I'm telling you, it's just, you just continue to seek the face of God. This momentary affliction that you're going through is working something very precious and glorious in your life. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, first of all, Father, we pray that that we will take possession of everything that you've given unto us. Not through works, but through our relationship, based on our relationship with you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus makes us good enough. And Father, you have some things that you want to give to us here and things that you want to give to our friends that are listening and watching right now. Father, I pray that you would release those blessings. And Lord, I pray that we will receive them through the hand of grace upon our lives. Because it's more than just about us. Father, I pray that we would see ourselves through your eyes. And Lord, by your grace, we'll endure that sifting or that winnowing process so that the true gold may be revealed. I thank you, Father, that the entire trial is in your hands. It's in your hands. And you will not allow us to be tempted or tested or tried above that that we are able and Lord, we declare that in the midst of it, we declare we're weak. And we declare that we receive your strength. No matter how strong we think we are, it's nothing compared to what you can do and will do through us. So Lord, we declare tonight, we receive your strength. We declare our weakness and we receive your strength. Come in our hearts, Lord Jesus. Live boldly in us. Live magnificently in us. So that the Father's will would be done. We love you tonight, and I pray your blessings upon our friends that are here tonight and to your beloved uh, that are here tonight and to the beloved that are not right now watching and listening. We love you tonight, and we'll see you next time.
God bless you. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Remember, if you would like to hear today's message in its entirety or hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast and get it on the go. And if you have a Roku device, make sure you search for Kingdom Rock TV. In there, you will find this program and so much more. We would also love to see you in a live service. Just go to our website to get the details at www.kingdomrock.org. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.